0: Quick disclaimer for this upcoming episode. We thought we could get away with filming this one a few days earlier, given the utter lack of games going on in the next week or so. But unfortunately, a couple Olympiacos players, Ruben
1: Semedo and Kostas Solakis, have tested positive for the coronavirus.
0: As a result, some of our pre-Cup final analysis has been rendered a bit futile as we discuss Semedo's inclusion in the team and whatnot. But the episode still should be enjoyable and provide a lot of nice insight on what the team might look like in a more general sense. Anyway, we're sorry about this, but we hope you enjoy the episode anyways. Welcome to Episode 3 of the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for Olympiakos FC and Greek Super League football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with Lambros Sirmos, and Ari Burubasis. Ari, how you doing?
1: Boys, I am doing fantastic. I'm fired up. We had a great interview with Louise. That was, was a so wonderful sick. interview, very informative. I defended my home and my wife. I took down a wasp nest. I'm fired <laughs> up. I'm ready to go. Uh, and to get things started, what better than to discuss our arch rivals, Panathinaikos, and the many moves that they have been making so far. As you guys know, they've been doing a lot of overhaul, new coach. Uh, Danny Poyatos, hired as the manager, former youth manager from Real Madrid, bringing some success to Real's youth program. As you can see, their academy is actually producing things. They're getting youth product they've either purchased and developed themselves, things that Zidane's been able to use now. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Yorgos Donis, the previous coach, we saw that he's signed for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Unfortunate. I thought he did a great job there. Thought he could have helped them out. Macheda looks like he's leaving for Serbia. Not official yet, but it looks like that's going to happen. Lucas Villafañez coming back into the team from Mexico. Exciting news for them. Botis Ioannidis, the 20-year-old Phenom from Levadiakos, looks like they stole him. That's a fantastic signing for them. A little frustrating, but, you know, I think it's going to work out for them. Frustrating for us. Great for them. And then Fausto Tienza not in the plans for them this year, it looks like. He'll be going on loan to Gymnastic. And then for any Panathinaikos fans that may be listening to this, I doubt it. It looks like their debt figure has actually gone down. They are now in the 20 millions of euro for debt, even though they expected to be debt free this time, you know, last year. But uh, I guess, you know, improvements will take them where we get them. Lambro, what do you got for us?
2: Hey guys, I'm just as excited to start this podcast. Um, I'll be talking about Pauk today. Um, interesting summer, I guess. Maybe a week or two off for Pauk after their last game uh, to end the season. Uh, some interesting news, actually. They decided to not renew the contract of Marizio, Brazilian midfielder. Very solid presence in the Pauk midfield. Was injured at some point, but came back in and was playing against us in the semi cup, semi final of the cup, if you guys remember. And of course. Club legend, Vierinha, has not renewed his contract. There are negotiations going on with the club, but it looks like the money difference is too far between the two. And we should mention that Pauk has been training for a few weeks now, guys. They have a huge game next week against Besiktas. And it's weird to say, but I'm really hoping for Pauk to pull through in that game as it's so important for the Greek coefficient. And also one note, Young winger Lazarus Labru has decided to go on loan to FC Twente in Holland, a very exciting young player who we were really scared of seeing when he was playing against us. It'll be interesting to see how he does in Holland this year. And uh, Peter, you have some news as well, don't you?
0: I do. Yeah, we're going to be staying in Thessaloniki for a little bit here. Um, we'll talk about AEK Athens later a lot because of the cup coming up. But Aris have actually been really making a lot of moves this summer. They're bringing all sorts of players in, uh, and it seems like they're not done with some more deals in the mix that haven't been confirmed yet. But among the players that are already confirmed in the club, Croatian defender Toni Datkovic, Australian defensive midfielder James Yego, Facundo Bertoglio, an attacking midfielder, Romanian left-back Cristian Ganea, and former Olympiacos attacker Dimitris Manos including um, Christian Lopez, which is a deal that has not been confirmed by the club, but seems like it might be confirmed in the coming days. Clearly, Adis want to be a part of that top core in Greece, and it will be interesting to see if they can do so. Obviously, Pauk, their, their neighborhood rivals, are continuing to be in the top two or three teams in Greece, and Adis clearly want some of that as well. So it would be interesting, especially with the championship group sort of maybe separating a top six in Greece, and uh, Aris clearly want to make themselves permanently part of that.
1: Well, I have, I have to. Uh, well, I should say, I hope for the best for Dimitris Manos. Didn't do anything for us. I thought maybe he could have contributed. Would have been nice to have a Greek contribute to Olympiacos. Unfortunately, <laughs> nothing, so, you yeah. know, sucks that he's going to a rival, but Hope for the best. Wish him a better career elsewhere. But, boys, I've got some huge news for you. I've got some huge news. Okay. The legend that never was, Sotiris Nini's, is coming back to Greece. He's <laughs> coming he to been? Volos FC. God knows where he's been. I haven't <laughs> kept track. I haven't really cared, to be honest with you. You know, the Greek Bastion Schweinsteiger. I remember at one point after the, the notorious Roma game where he dismantled Roma's team, Uh, This was back in 2009, you know, uh, the Greek Schweinsteiger, the Greek Messi, never even lived up to a a percentage of that reputation. Anyway, he's back playing for Volos FC, going to be interesting to see if he can get through a whole season without getting injured.
0: Adi, you mentioned that you hadn't really been keeping up with him since he left Greece, but he actually spent some time in Israel, sort of relating back to Donis's move out there, but... It should be interesting to see him back. I agree.
2: And Guys, I have one comment to make about Iris. I don't know if you guys were following them there at the end of the season, but they ran out of players. Do you guys remember yeah, that Miami yeah, Day was out yeah. of contract? A lot of their players were out of contract, and they were fielding 13 players in a match squad, so they really needed reinforcements. So it seems like they're doing that, but just craziness. in That's
0: a very good point. I almost forgot about that. And one last point to talk about with our sort of around the league here uh, is about the set of teams that will be in the Super League next season. This is, of course, not determined yet as Xanthi, who finished second to last in the first division, are supposed to have a playoff with Apollon Smyrnis, who finished second place in the second division of Greece. Traditionally, these teams would play for the last spot in the first division, but both of them have claimed that they would rather have 15 teams in the Super League next season obviously makes makes a lot of sense why they would want that but doesn't really make sense for anyone else so it seems that the EPO is not going to be letting that happen as of now the games are set for August 22nd and August 29th so it'll be a two-leg affair but even more interestingly uh, there's there's the possibility of Xanthi liquidating the club <laughs> before then um, they are currently looking to sell the club, potentially related to some of the off-field issues that they had last year. There's a meeting between the board on August 21 to determine the fate of Zanti FC.
1: Well, boys, I think now would be a perfect time for us to transition into one of the the topics that was kind, it has been kind of a buzz ever since we discussed it on our first podcast. Kind of the incoming low knees. So there's two specific that have been very interesting. For most Ljubljana fans, some fans of the podcast now, people with things we've got messages about uh, Kumic and Kostis, Ioannis Kostis and Nikola Kumic. So, Kumic, as you know, on fire this year, completely lit up the Serbian league. 14 goals, four assists in 22 appearances, unbelievable. And he's 21, he's turning 22, I believe it is this November unbelievable talent here. I'm hoping that he's going to replicate this in Greece next year. I'm hoping we get to see a lot of him. Forget Lazar 2.0. If this kid is as good as he seems, if this kid is able to replicate what he did in Serbia, Lazar is 0.5 much <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, he's, he's actually uh, – I'm very, very excited for him to come in. Obviously, he's playing for a team right now that isn't the caliber of Olympiakos, but – Serbian league is, is still decent competition, and he, yeah, he was absolutely destroying the league. Like, braces left and right, hat tricks. He was just, he had no trouble finding the goal. Um, going right by Serbian defenders, good pace down the flanks, good shot. He really likes to be active in the final third, so he should definitely be an interesting piece. You never know. He could flourish and just become really important for us next year.
1: And... More to that, you brought up his dribbling. The metrics for his dribbling are pretty incredible. I mean, this kid on the dribble is going by people with great success, almost a 60% success rate on the dribble, wow. and you know he dribbles a lot. He covers a yeah. lot of distance on the dribble. He loves, 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 loves to get forward the ball, loves the counter as well. He, very similar to Lazar in that regard. Lazar, as we know, on the counter is so deadly all of those goals he got in the in the playoffs and the Champions League qualification this past year it's going to be very similar to that
0: and those those stats are are really promising and, and make me excited and on top of that we also have to consider the fact that you know that any team that is going up against Chumich in Serbia he is the guy that they have on their scouting report as we need to stop this guy we need to close him down and he's still Producing incredible results and still being really successful getting by defenders, so I'm, I'm really encouraged by what we've seen. His numbers have been absolutely amazing.
2: And this just, the, this conversation of Kumech makes me just so excited. It's like, could this finally be the replacement of Daniel Podence? We spoke on our first podcast about how the club is looking for a winger to come in and make that impact, that creative, goal-scoring winger, and it just looks like that this could be it. What do you guys think? Do we hold off on signing a winger and see how this guy does going into October? Or do we have to bring in a more experienced winger? Your guys' thoughts.
0: I think for now, I think it might be okay to roll with Chumich and give him a try. I think we have Valbuena and Masuras. Uh, They will be in the team. Valbuena obviously is getting a year older, but he was incredible last year, as we talked about on on the first episode of the pod. Um, and Masuras will continue if, if, you know, he started for us all this year. Um, maybe he's not the, the best player in our team, but he can continue to start. Lazar could uh, make an improvement. We saw good things from him here and there, and I think, as, as we talked about in the first episode, he started to put together a more complete game towards the end of the season. And then you throw Trumich in the mix. If it doesn't work out, there's January to, to buy someone, of course – January was when Podence was sold, so big deals can happen during the winter window. Um, so I think we can we can roll with Chumich and give him a chance with the team. And in the least, the playing time will be valuable for him. We can see where it goes.
1: Well, you know, the transfer deadline's also been extended. so Yes, that's a good point. We're getting, we're getting Vrusai back. So we can see how Vrusai turns out, a little bit of a stopgap. See how Chumich turns out, which will give us plenty of time also to get another stopgap, a veteran, somebody maybe with a little bit more experience as the season goes on, to cover for that, to cover for that development, for right. not just Chumich but for Vrusai as well, who's still pretty young, uh, you know. And then we can we can go from there and see what happens. But I have high hopes for him. Um, and then of course, you know, there, there's another player. The second player we discussed briefly was the Cypriot Ioannis Kosti. 20 year old center midfielder uh, has been singled out by Martins also for the club. Incredible to me for for Martins right away to see a player along with Chumic, who we knew was, was pretty special from what we heard out of Serbia, but for him to grab this 20 year old from Cyprus and immediately put him in the squad, there has to be something special there.
0: I think it's a really interesting case. I also find Kosti to be a bit mysterious as well. Um, Obviously, we can see that he is a vital part of uh, Nea Salamani in in Cyprus, uh, the team that he was playing for there. And we can see that he is a valuable part of the Cypriot national team. But it's really hard to get a gauge on what type of player he is because the places that he's been playing have so little coverage. So we've seen some elements of him moving forward. He likes to shoot. Uh, but we've also seen that he can lay back and potentially play a more defensive role. Might this just be because Cyprus likes to play a defensive style of football in European qualifiers? We don't know. But I think he certainly will have some value somewhere in the midfield. Maybe he's a creative box-to-box player that can do a lot of things. I'm really excited to see what he'll do in the team.
2: Yeah, Peter, I agree completely. Costi is just a bit of an unknown, you know. It's tough to follow Cypriot football, and there's not as many stats. On separate football, I know when we were doing our research, we couldn't find as much as some other players. But I, I, I'm looking at our team. I'm looking at the roster, and that midfield is looking good, guys. On the and Costi now behind the starting three, I think that we're we're coming along with a strong midfield, and we could roll with this four-three-three throughout the season. It's it's not just something for tough games. I think.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing about it too is. The, the depth is – it's very versatile in its depth, right? I mean, we have a plethora of sixes. We have, you know, between between Guillerme and Cafu. Cafu, who we initially was going to be a semi-Madi replacement, but he's turning out to be more like more like a Guillerme. You know, Andruchos is coming back. We still don't really know 100% what he's about. We've seen flashes, but getting to see a lot more of him, see what role – he can flourish in whether he can be that box to box, that anti mahdi type we're hoping we'll get out of him, or if he's going to be another six or another bukalakis type to cover ground uh, and kind of slow the pace of the play down. I'm hoping that Costi is going to be something more than that. I mean, at a young age to be making this kind of this kind of um, uh, surprise appearance for a Portuguese coach that's pretty risk averse. In terms of who he takes into the team, I think we're I think we're in for a treat uh, with him as far as that's
2: concerned. Yeah, and just to just to jump in on that surprise, how many players have we seen come into Olympiacos from a lower league or a less known league, and the next day they're out the door? The coach says you're not good enough. You're going out on loan for at least a year or two. To see a player come in from a lesser known league and especially a young player, and for the player to essentially be just unknown of and staying in the team. It's so impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean, the only other one that I can think of off the top of my head besides him would be Chumich. Chumich, and and even Chumich went on loan for a year. We had the agreement where we bought him, but he got to play with his team for another year. So this is going to be very exciting. I'm happy to see what happens. I mean, I know when he scored against Scotland in the Euro qualifiers, it looked like Cyprus had a very young golden boy on their hands, and it's definitely looking like that's the case.
0: Yeah, he, he's going to be really interesting, and I agree that it could have it would have been very easy to just loan him out, but he's here, and it seems like he's going to be part of the senior team next year. Um, and speaking of midfielders in general, we talked about how many of these sort of six players we have. Probably our most important one would be Guillerme midfielder who was a staple in our team all year long, we know that some of the listeners to the pod have been really interested in how Guillerme impacts the team, why he's so important, and I think it does deserve a discussion because he's been absolutely incredible all year just doing anything that needs to be done for the team.
1: And I believe talking about him and his importance, we definitely need to start with what especially for our listeners, those who may not understand the number system for soccer. I know it's getting yeah. kind of outdated. Not everybody uses it. But, you know, the function of a number six, we consider it to be a holding, a holding midfielder, somebody who's going to be a ball winner, cover some of those open lanes. This guy is going to be the one applying pressure to dribblers on the other team. He is going to be the one making that, making that first aggressive attack towards those guys bringing the ball so that somebody can then clean it up. That is his job. This, also, this individual is also supposed to have a very technically astute awareness of the game. He, positionally, he has to be really good. He has to know where the ball is going to be there before it actually gets there. Now, Guillerme, speaking to this, does apply the most pressure to dribblers on the other team for Olympiacos. He's done that two years in a row. He's also the most successful midfielder in applying pressure that leads to an interception. Incredible statistic. Now, he is the third most successful player, to my surprise, when it comes to applying pressure and actually getting an interception out of it. The individuals that were the best at that were actually Tsimikas and Madi Kamara. Uh, number six also will have a very high work rate. These guys run a lot. And I'm not talking in the similar way of a box to box midfielder like Madi, who's going to be going creating and coming back and helping distribute box to box like that. No. He has to run all over the place to clean up and be that enforcer. Generally, a six will also be able to hold the ball well. Guillerme has a wonderful touch. And it might not come as any surprise to people that he had the top pass percentage of all of our offensive players. Uh, Now, of course, this year he did kind of take a dip a little bit for whatever reason – uh, I, I believe personally that he was getting a little bit more aggressive, maybe a little bit more risk-taking on the offensive end of the ball, but he did have less accuracy in his passes. Maybe we could attribute that to some type of form dip. I don't think the, it was that much of a form dip. I think maybe the some of the circumstances surrounding play, us playing stronger teams in Europe as well contributed to that, but he's also very strong in the air. So when we see this, when we when we see the total package here, even with his his uh, his wonderful statistics in 2018 2019, compared to now, where there was a little bit of a dip during the midseason right prior to COVID. When we came back from COVID, the COVID break, he was averaging almost 80 touches a game. We talked about how in the last podcast with with uh, Luis and in our first podcast how Mikas and our our fullbacks are so involved in our game and how so much of our offense role flows through them, how they both touch the ball so much. Guillerme touches the ball more. And in those games after COVID, he was so integral, not just winning the ball back, but distributing the ball. He switches the ball the most out of any player on our team. He gets the ball if he wins it in possession and he immediately looks to switch the field, change the pace of play. After the COVID break, he was top three in the team in overall pressures. That includes defenders. In other words, this, this guy was going to get the ball the most out of anybody else on the team. Most successful in tackles after the, the COVID break. Not to mention, he was the number two in terms of blocks, block passes, block shots, second only to Tsimikas. So if that doesn't tell you how important Guillerme is to this team, the, I, don't, I don't know what else to tell you. The, we, we discussed briefly the plight of the DM. DMs do thankless work. We briefly touched about Matweedy, how Inter-Miami fans were completely bitching about how, oh, this was supposed to be their designated player signing. He doesn't score goals. You need a guy like this to do the grunt work so that goals can be made, so you can dispossess the other team, get possession for yourself, and make those goals happen. Without a guy like this, that doesn't happen.
0: Totally. Really well said, Adi. I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you said. Obviously, most of it was numbers, so it's it's hard not to agree with numbers. And I was, I'll tell you what, I was a bit worried when some uh, some Russian teams came in uh, with offers for Guillerme. It seems like he might actually be leaving. And obviously, with some of the other players that have left or are rumored to be leaving, Guillerme is a guy that we don't want to lose. And clearly, It seems like, I don't want to jinx it, but it seems like he might be sticking around. It seems like these offers have sort of cooled down, uh, which I'm very thankful for because he is super important to our team, and I'm glad that, glad we'll have him for the cup, and I'm glad we'll hopefully have him for longer than that.
2: Yeah, so I guess I could build upon some of those rumors that I've been reading. I'm every day on the transfer market reading things. So what I've seen is what you heard from about Spartak Moscow is Greek press got in their hands an agent of Guillerme saying that there's an offer from Spartak Moscow and that there was a close to a signing. Well, what did the Greek press do? They spoke to the wrong agent. The guy wasn't even Guillerme's agent. But I will say this. Recently, just out of today, Spore FM reporter Nikola Kouplos, who's very good, a fantastic source, says that the contract negotiation, please remember, guys, Guillerme only has a year left on his contract. Mm -hmm. Nikola Kouplos said, Guillerme is looking for the final contract, the contract that will set him for life. And that could be coming from China, Arabia, or the MLS. Guillerme is a player who will get that money. And the club's going to have a difficult time keeping him. And I just hope that an agreement can be reached.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, players, soccer players, do have a limited time where they can make their money. We do have to recognize that. We, in our interview with Luis, you know, as national teams fans for Greece, as a national team fan for Peru, that Luis is, you know, we want those players to just compete in the most competitive places possible. We want to see them represent, you know, and us as Olympiacos fans, we want the best players that we can get. But we also have to recognize soccer players, you know, they don't have an infinite lifeline. And Guillerme, he's not a spring chicken, you know, he's not old, don't get me wrong. But he's in his late 20s, right. you know, almost 30. So he doesn't have that many years of prime football, a few years max. And if he's going to make max money, which he hasn't really made, I mean, his contract with Olympiacos has been the most money, and he doesn't even make a million euros a year. So we can't really hold that against him, especially when he's, when he's bled on the field for us for two years. You know, I'm hoping we at least can get one more year. You know, maybe we can get a contract, renew him for two years and sell him next year. You know, but if we sell him this year, you know, we had two great years with him. It sucks. It's unfortunate, especially when we've lost quite a few pieces at the defense. And if we end up losing Ruben Semedo, you know, that would suck even more. But um, we have to recognize that, you know, this this is is how they earn a living.
2: And they have a limited time with which to do so hundred percent. And I think it's just, it, it feels so good going back from three years ago to have a foreign player like this, who we just want to stay so bad. You know, we love this player and we want to see them stay. And it's not like a young player who's going off to Premier League for 30 million or 20 million euros. It's an experienced older player and, or not older player, I guess, in his prime player, but we have. So I, it's just a unique case. And we all, we all love Guillerme for his work. And I'd also, I just want to shout out real quick. Uh, thank you to Oden 1925 for asking us to go over Guillerme. And remember, guys, always you can send us questions and we'd love to go over them in the podcast. We, we're usually on the same topics as you guys. We'd love to cover what you guys want to hear.
0: Totally.
1: Uh, absolutely. And Guillerme, he's a player, you know, that since he's been here has absolutely loved the club, so much passion for the club, considered it family. He reminds me of David Fuster. You know, Clevo yeah. Fuster was not the most talented player, but man, he left everything on the field. And you always love to see a player that just put, did everything he could, gave it his all, and lived for that Fanella, you know? I mean, Fanella's jersey, for, for those of you who maybe don't speak Greek, I mean, the passion that he has, the passion that Guillerme has, that's hard to replicate. You can't teach that, you can't train that. You know, that's something that somebody has, and you're lucky if you can get that. Now, that yeah. being said, wrapping up, you know, there's another player that uh, people wanted to hear about, a recent, very recent announcement, <laughs> Jose Jolebas. You know, uh, many will know he played for us for a while. He left us only six years ago to go to Roma and then ended up at Watford. Um, but he it's nice to have him back. I have great memories, you know, and the funniest part is when, you know, when we picked him up, I, there was so... Much doubt about him when we first got him. How was it eight years ago? Nine years ago? Maybe no, ten years ago. Sorry, ten years ago, ten ago years now. My ago. God, yes, it was. And, and second division Germany, we picked him up from. Yep. Nobody wanted any part of him. Albacores fans were wondering what in God's name we did. You know, we were we were just we had just lost Raúl Bravo, who was solid for us. Uh, Pre marinaikian and in that first year with uh, Ernesto Valverde when he was our coach, mm, and yeah. all of a sudden Holebas is making these starts, and we're wondering what in God's name it is. What a treat he was, what a surprise! Um, and for those of you, those of you who may not have been following Olympiacos that long ago, uh, you know Holebas is a wingback. He is a wingback. He loves to get forward. He was Tsimikas before Tsimikas. Uh Now Holebas. Yeah had a little bit of an issue sometimes tracking back. That was the gripe people had with him for the national team. That was a gripe people also had with him for Olivia Kos. now for the national team. Okay. He may have had issues getting back, but, but this man was our offense for a time being.
2: Yeah. And I, I just want to mention real quick too, about Jolevas. When he was coming in, everyone knows Jose Jolevas as the Greek international left back. Jose Jolevas doesn't speak a word of Greek guys. You know, it's really, it's an interesting case actually. He, he grew up his life in Germany. I think maybe his uh, mother is Greek. And so he wasn't a Greek coming back to Greece to play for Olympiakos. It was it was a foreigner who maybe had some relationship with Greece coming to Olympiakos. So it was a unique case for sure.
0: Does Jose speak English? Do we know? Yes, he, guess uh, yeah, from, I guess he from, does.
2: From, oh, from Watford, from his time at Watford. I think right, right. It.
0: Speaking of that, he's that's basically where he spent most of his time. I think he had, what, one year in Roma? um mm-hmm. and since then he's been at Watford they've experienced varying degrees of success uh, as far as a club like Watford is concerned this year was just they stayed up but it or, or was, no they went down Peter oh they went down
2: they went yeah, down they were relocated yeah yeah
0: so it was, it was a truly awful season for Watford they it was I believe it was close at the end but they had five managers throughout the course of the year and Really, none of them seemed like they would be there for that long, just given the way the team was playing. And I've watched a couple Watford games this year. Really, really dreadful play. Just very uninspiring. And it's it's easy to see why Joseba is is really desires to leave and why he might enjoy just being on a team that wants to win as much as Olympiakos does.
2: Yeah, and I'll just say something, even as Oliveira Coast fans, five managers, that's impressive, even for us who have, <laughs> what, three, four in one season, you know, that's impressive. But I'll say something, Um, guys, I read a quote from Jose Lebas, um translating off of my head, I don't have the quote right in front of me off of Greek, he said something along the lines, you know, I had a difficult year in Watford and what I'm looking for here at my end of the career is a nice clean career with fans who love me, something along those lines. And he finally wrapped it up and said, I understand I'm not the top player I used to be. I'm fine sitting on the bench and supporting the team. I just want to have a nice finale to my career. And that seems like something he may get here at Olympiagos. I 100% believe
1: that. He, You know, it, he's not. it's not like he's a player that's completely dead. He, he can still play. We saw that two years ago, he had that capability. He, well, he was one of their top offensive producers at Watford. Yeah.
0: And it's, it is nice, though, I think, that he he has that attitude. Because we see if Miguel Trauco comes in, he seems like he could be a player, given our interview with Luis last time. If Trauco comes in and he's great, if uh, Kutris comes back and is also good, Olebas might have a hard time finding the pitch. And for a lot of players, that can obviously be very frustrating. I think he was maybe frustrated at Watford as well when he wasn't getting on the pitch there this season. Obviously, different situation. But... It's, it's nice that obviously he realizes this is the club where where I became a big player. This is the club with fans that know me and are passionate about the team. And it seems like he's just happy to be part of the team and provide anything that is needed for the club. He's going to do whatever it takes, whatever Martins wants him to do. And
2: that's nice. Yeah, and if I could say real quick, Jolibarco's uh, fans know we – we don't remember Jose Alebas as being the team-first guy, being like, oh, I'll do whatever the team wants. And, you know, <laughs> we have read all these crazy interviews from abroad in England where he would say things like, oh, this isn't a big club. I should start here at Watford. I've played in big clubs. So it's kind of nice to hear Jose say, oh, I'm willing to sit on the bench. I love this club. I understand what's going on. It's nice right. to hear. But but just a quick point, you know, we don't remember that Jolebas when we were watching him 10 years ago, 8 years ago.
1: Yeah, and while we're talking good about him, I think we, we need to sing some praises for him, right? Because, you know, it's funny, as we were talking about him, I just scrolled through one of the Oliviakos' Facebook pages and literally somebody complained that he's trash and he's not going to do anything for us. <laughs> so for, we need to forget 2019-2020, right? You know, they went through five coaches, including including Javi Grecia, who actually took them to the, to the FA Cup final in the 2018-2019 season, right. right? You know? Five managers. Nigel Pearson had no use for Horebos, didn't understand him. You know, he's not a very multi-dimensional coach. And then, you know, now Vladimir Ijevic, of course, has... I don't know what kind of coach he is, unfortunately. But oh, he the really old uh,
2: Vladimir Ijevic, if I'm not mistaken, is the former PAOK coach. You guys remember the... Was he Bulgarian? I forget. I, I can look into that. I'm not 100% sure, but that name just off the top of my head. But, but continue, Adi. Yeah,
1: yeah I, well, I remember Ivich a player from PAOK. I don't know if it's the
2: same one we can look into that but yeah just absolutely so but oh i I I want to take us into it oh Oh, is he the the former coach yes wow okay anyway i continue what a
1: small world that is
2: (laughs) i just i heard the name and i was like putting two and two together but yeah please go go ahead
1: well so let's travel back in time to the 2018-2019 season okay i'm not going to go back further just that season two years ago okay you know, Jolebas is still on the wrong side of 30, you know, playing for Watford constantly, you know, and when I'm saying playing, you know, starting in the majority of games. He still played that wing back, uh, that left wing back position. He led the team in assists, top assists. Wow. He was the top in the team in progressive passes. So progressive passes is a really cool metric. This is a, this is a metric that gauges the number of passes that a player makes Outside of the defensive third. So this means that he led the team in passes that were not in the defensive third and not passes that were like back forth, back forth. I mean, this was a pass that had purpose, went forward, a successful pass towards the opposing goal that was either outside of or in the penalty area, anywhere outside of his defensive third. So he led the team in that. He led the team in progressive passes in that offensive momentum. He was top three in the team in crosses in the box and top four in key passes. This is including everybody, AMs, midfielders, strikers, everybody else. He led the team in those metrics for 2018, 2019. Still at the wrong side of 30. He's got some ball left in him. He's got a season left in him. Even if he's not playing 30 games for us, he's playing maybe 10, 15 games as a sub here. He's got something to offer, especially as a stopgap until somebody like Martini steps up. Uh, You know, if we sign Trauco, if he steps up, or the new left back we signed from Panzeracos, Apostolopoulos, you know. He is an okay stopgap to have. Martins does well with these older, experienced stopgaps. In fact, he prefers them. Martins said especially now with the coronavirus and such a short break in between time. He's not going to trust a lot of younger players. He wants an experienced guy that's been there, that's been in the trenches, and that is going to be able to adapt.
2: Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll say another thing about Jose Halebas, from what I can remember from Watford, because just going to lay it out there, guys, not a Watford fan, but from what I see on Twitter or what I've read on articles is He likes a yellow card, which wasn't foreign for him at Olympiacos, and he likes to take either a set piece or a corner. He likes to whip those in, so I think maybe a few of those assists may have come from that. And also, again, another shout-out, I want to thank Olympiacos Argentina for this question to to have us discuss Jose Jalevas. And with that, guys, shall we talk about our next match? Uh, The Greek Cup is coming up in just a few weeks. I think it's perfect time. It's a perfect time
1: for us to do a stare-down. But Before we do anything, we have to address one of the most absurd issues that I've ever witnessed in my life. I don't think I've ever witnessed this in my life. The (laughs) fact that FIFA rules are preventing Arubiakos and Ike from using the new players they've acquired during the transfer period through COVID. This is absolutely absurd. And this isn't something just stupid for FIFA. I blame the EPO, the Hellenic authority that governs Greek football. This is also on them. They are idiots, absolute idiots, for wanting to have this game at Rizupoli in the first place. That is not a top, you know, uh, in A-league field. It hasn't been used for a while. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea what was the thought process. Gramenos is a disgrace. This is just one thing in a a whole vault of nonsense that he's done since he's been the, the, the president, since, the, since the, the EPO has been...
2: Around, I mean, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. And just to build on upon that, if if our listeners aren't very, they don't know the neighborhoods in Athens, the Rizopoli Stadium is very close to near Philadelphia, which is of course the home of Ike, Athens. And a few weeks before the game was supposed to go on, maybe a month ago, the uh, the police in Athens did a sweep of the area and they found Molotov cocktails, bats brass knuckles, things scattered all around the area, and it looked like a fight was going to go around. And they said to the Atlantic Football Association, they said, you cannot have the stadium here. Oaka is our Olympic stadium. It's where we've done these all the time. Can we do it there? And they said, okay, we'll see. We'll see kept a lane. And here we are. Our final is six weeks after the end of the season. It's, it's a disgrace, like you said. Yeah, it's absolutely
1: absurd. I mean, not to mention we were juggling our schedule with Europa League, right? So we had the game coming up, the second game with the Wolves. And the fact that this game didn't occur meant we went a really long time without having a game. We had to schedule a practice match with the right. Cypriot champions in name, Ammonia. That is yeah. sad. It is disgusting. It is absolutely yeah. disgusting. And the don't... EPO should be ashamed of themselves.
2: Yeah, and what I just read too is we're going to be playing a friendly game, I think, with another Super League team. It's slipping my mind, but that could be within the week. Um, I can get back to everyone on Twitter about that, but I'm not sure the exact team.
0: And obviously we're talking about how this has affected Olympiacos, but it's also affected Ike. In fact, both teams have appealed the decision that FIFA have made to make it such that new signings cannot play because obviously Ike have lost players. Ike have brought in players that they would like to use in this cup final. So we'll talk about how this is going to affect our lineup, but we will also talk about how it might affect Ike, because they would like to have this rule change just as much as Olympiacos would.
2: Yeah, and I guess starting, starting that off, uh, we look at Olympiakos' starting lineup from last season, just, what, four or five weeks ago? And we look, and there's a glaring hole at left-back and right-back. Yeah. And now with this ruling, we're going to have to figure it out. And it's there's rumors going around, but it's going to be difficult. There's people saying that Tordosidis will have to play, maybe a winger. It's unclear at the moment.
0: Yeah, and of course, going back to what we were just talking about, we have Rafinha coming in, who's a right back. We have Jorebas coming in, who's a left back, who we've, you know, as we just talked about, he's good enough to come in and play this game. And neither of them will be able to play unless the decision is overturned. So, yeah, we're looking at Vasidis Torosidis, who, to his credit – can still throw in a nice cross into the box when needed. He can play on both sides as a left back and a right back. He will probably be starting. And then at right back, it's looking like we're probably going to have to play someone out of position, which is something Martins has done in the past. Uh, I think Lazar Rangelovic has started at right back in a Europa League game. I think Masuras has some potential there. And there are some rumors of Bruno, the Brazilian winger slash attacking midfielder, potentially being able to play on that side as well
1: well let me ask you boys then so given the complications that you see here the fact that we might have to rely on you know a repurposed midfielder or winger to play that right back role you know an older veteran that's not a first choice left back but can play there what kind of lineup do you think we're going to see what kind of formation do you guys think we're going to see
2: yeah, so I think we're sticking with the 4-3-3. I think that's the lineup that Martins trust. That's what we saw at Wolves. That's what we saw against Palk. That's what we saw in all the big games. No matter who's going to play as a right-back or left-back, I think we're going to stick with that. We got that solid three in the midfield. We have Ba and Cisse who've played together. And we've got those three key elements, Masuras, Valbuena, and up top. I, I don't know where else you could go. I guess you could bring Fortunis in and drop one of our key midfielders, but I just don't see it. And of course we have to say Bobby Allen is going to be starting in goal for this game. Okay, Allen had that poor mistake to start the game at Wolves, but he did play well at the the end of the game, we should say. It's it's gonna be an interesting lineup for sure.
0: Yeah, to talk on Allen, I was screaming at the top of my lungs when that goal or when the penalty was won by Wolves at yeah. the expense of Bobby Allen. It was so incredibly upsetting, and I'm still really mad about it. But if you take that mistake out, he had a serviceable game. Certainly, he was not the best goalkeeper in that game. Rui Patricio had an amazing performance for Wolves. Uh, but Alain, I think was he was all right. And whether he is our backup next year or not, we, we have another goalkeeper coming in from Larissa, I believe. It's potentially not the worst thing if he comes in and does this game I'm not super enthused about it. Obviously, I feel so much more confident with Sa. But I, I expect Allen to start over the young Kostas Tzolakis, Despite all the potential he has, I expect it to be Allen at the end of the day.
1: Begrudgingly, uh, I think uh, – it's unfortunate. I think we have to go with Bobby Elaine, even though I will say, besides that goal, he's thought a couple other head-scratcher decisions that could have led to goals or you know at least dangerous situations i don't trust him he i think he's nervous in a tense situation especially like this the all yeah. final even though it's ball, greece he's yeah and I, I don't trust him but at the same time you know who's who's up next a 17 year old so like he's yeah. you know are we gonna put a teenager in there you know who grew up knowing how big this is it's a all final against rivals you know it we we're kind of begrudgingly, I say, <laughs> I'm we're, I'm stuck saying that this is the the wor- the lesser of two. Yeah. I don't want to say evils because I, I do <laughs> like the guys. There are there are there are players, but I don't have a hundred percent faith in him. Unfortunately, it's the best thing we've got until Jose Sosa gets back.
2: And I don't want to stick on Bobby Allen so much. I feel like our feelings about him have come out, but when you have that backup keeper who's poor on the feet and the players don't trust, you can just see it. That first 20 minutes against Wolves was so nervy. Passes were off from all of our players. And it was clear they didn't want to go back to Bobby Allen. They didn't trust him. And, you know, that affects the whole team. We have an early mistake from Bobby Allen in the cup final and things could go really bad really quick. And I'm worried about that, but I think that's all we can say about Bobby Allen.
0: Yeah. I think he probably does end up starting. It's, probably the right decision given the circumstances and yeah i think with the ball it's just the main thing he's really a bit nervous definitely and i yeah the players don't trust him which is is definitely worse than us not trusting him for sure i I do think the most interesting thing that the reason that i'll be anticipating the lineup dropping is the flanks or, or the the fullbacks I mean, we could see a lot of things. I kind of expect it to be Torosidis at the left and maybe Rangelovic at the right, but there is also the possibility of Martinis slotting in and starting at left back, the young Greek who's been really promising, according to reports out of Greece. And then Torosidis could potentially play on the right. But I think that's gonna be the most interesting part. Uh, and I wonder, Lambro, what do you think about who might start
2: on the at the fullbacks there? Honestly, uh Peter, knowing Martins, I would like uh, this a bit of a tone I think I would want Martinez. I don't think Martins wants Martinez, but I would want that him at left back and Torosidis at or him at left back. Excuse me, and Torcides at right back. I would prefer that. And I, I personally, maybe it's just me. I just love seeing players in their natural position, and I feel like there's more confidence there. But again, Lazar Angelovic is a hard worker. He runs hard. He's a serviceable fullback in the end, you know, like when you got no other choice, he's played in big games, he's played in Europe, he knows what to do in the end, and Torosidis has tried and trusted he can play on both sides, he's done it uh, against Sophie. I guess I would have to go left-back Torosidis, right-back uh, Rangelovic, right, what do you think? Uh I'm going to be honest with you. We've started
1: off this Guy Perlo talk pretty negative. It's been. It's been, it's been <laughs> a yeah, well, we're at a the clean. point where
0: it's like, all right, we know Torosidis is in the team. <laughs> well, it's like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to so, yeah.
2: About to retire Torosidis, so, we have to say, right? For yeah. me, I also prefer playing
1: players in their natural position. I would much rather personally see Martinis start on mm-hmm. the left, Torosidis on the right, both in their natural positions. We're getting 100% out of Torosidis. And then even if Martinis is you know, get the jitters, and he's 50%. At least we have three defenders that are, you know, at about 100% positional yep. awareness, and we have one that's just new but maybe can even grow into the game. Yeah. That, to me, is more risk-averse than the opposite. Now, for something a little bit more positive, what is the likelihood that we get Hassan for this game?
2: Oh, I, I would I would love to quickly talk about Hassan. What a, what a controversial, controversial figure among us, among Olympiacos fans. <laughs> Among everyone, uh, the man I dub the Egyptian's Zlatan, as we know, uh, <laughs> I think you know Hassan can't can't hurt. He knows the team. He knows Ike. You know he has a great record against Ike. We have to say right. Yeah. And and it's just it's helpful, I guess. Like who else would be up there to play striker? We don't have anyone else.
0: We criticize Hassan as as he said, but he has a weirdly clutch knack for scoring timely goals as we've seen in the Greek Cup and during the Super League season since he's come back to us from the winter transfer window and it might obviously just be a bit of luck and him being in the right place at the right time but you know it doesn't hurt to have him on the bench as a 70th minute sub.
1: You know Lombro you may call him the Egyptian Zlatan but to me he's the Egyptian Akaristeas. (laughs) I get yelled at repeatedly on social media. I get yelled at, you know, on various (laughs) Libyakos forums because I still think he's really awkward with the ball at his feet, but he scores. I I, I can't fault that, but it's frustrating because I see him with the ball at his feet, and I know he can't do that much with it, but he's, you know, he, he gets his head on the ball. He gets his foot on the ball, and it goes into the net. So, you know, at this point, the form, the scoring form is there. And if it's going to continue to be there, I wouldn't mind having him back there, you know. Especially, you know, to be subbed on as a second striker, you know, to help if we need to put pressure on. I wouldn't mind it. And from what it looks like, a deal. Martinez wants a deal done. Martinez wants him back, and I think it'll be likely that we get him. We we bring him in. We get a deal done. I think a million euros for him is a fair price.
2: And just to build on that, if Martins wants him. He has earned our trust, and Hassan should be in the team. We can criticize him all we want, but Martins has revolutionized this team and made, us, made it a team of that we love to watch football events. You know, if he wants Hassan, give him Hassan. That's my attitude. And if a million euros is all it takes, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, guys, going, building off Hassan, our favorite player. Shall we talk a little bit about Ike? Um, uh, I know they've lost a few players. Do you guys want to speak about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. So they've, they have lost a few players. Their goalkeeper Barcas, I believe, was signed by Celtic in Scotland, mm-hmm. um, and the I think the Argentinian Sergio Araujo is yep. heading out, and Hult, the fullback, uh, who I think started at left back when we last played Ike, or one of the times we last played Ike, and uh, I guess Vranjes is heading out too, the the Bosnian.
2: Yeah, if you guys remember that craziness with Vranjes, uh. Uh, We spoke a little bit about it together, but uh, Vranias was playing in the playoffs. After coronavirus, he stuck around with Ike. After coronavirus, they Mm -hmm. played one or two games, I want to say, and Vranias just picked up and left for Serbia or Bosnia, never telling anyone. And Ike was like, we're done with you. You're out. (laughs) Just a crazy situation. And a player loved by Ike, hated by us, of course, for his off-the-field antics, but an important player for them. Interesting case. And also, real quick, I just want to say, Ike are thin at fullback, just like us. Yep. They have Helder Lopez, but Nicholas Holtis was an extremely important player. They've just signed former Panathinaikos, left back uh, Emmanuel Ansuha, who, I'll say this real quick, if you guys have not seen this, he tweeted out maybe two months ago, in Greece, mono Panathinaikos, which means in Greece, only Panathinaikos. Six weeks later, he signed for Ike. A bit <laughs> funny to me, but okay, that's fine. So yeah, they're they're thin on fullback ends. A few of their really important players from last season are missing.
0: Yep, and and obviously they would. That is one of the main reasons that they're appealing this decision. They want Insua in this game. I guess they'll have Bakakis on the right and Lopez on the left.
1: That sounds right. Well, you know, guys, money talks, and we players can say, "Oh, mono panethinacos, mono Ike." Can't pay your players, you know. We we can't we can't forget Lazarus Lazarus guys. Ponathanico yeah. you know? <laughs> to the T, you know, goes to Ike after after playing a little bit in Italy, which was very controversial, you know, back back when he did that, because you weren't supposed to do that. He left on good terms with Ponathanikos, even though he hadn't been paid in months, went to Italy, and then comes and plays for Ike. Now, he came to us because he didn't get paid at Ike either. You know, what are you gonna do? Money talks.
2: And uh I had sh- just a real side note, I read recently he may be linked with Aris. What are the chances? I don't think any players have ever done that like with the top five, six Greek teams if goes to <laughs> Aris. But, yeah, sticking on topic, it's, it's an interesting case. So, yeah, we'll see.
0: Ike probably in their traditional 4 3, 3 one their attack is a little bit less uh, disrupted. Obviously, Araujo is going out, but... Their main sort of front four in in a 4-2-3-1 will probably be their starting. So that is certainly, for for Ike fans, it's, I suppose, a bit comforting for us. Maybe we'd hope that they might not have those four guys together in the team. But Ike, it seems, will have some parts of their team more connected and together and maybe some parts a little bit shaky.
2: Yeah, just to talk about that, they're definitely going to have – at least that core, that solid core, we know Albanis, Mantalos, Verde, Oliveira, Simoes. Those are really the core players of Ike, along with, of course, Ranez was in there, Barkas was in there. Of course, the players we know of Ike. But just to stick amount. out, you know, Mantalos is a Greek international. He knows how to play very well. And Nelson, Nelson Oliveira was strongly linked with Wolves. He's a fantastic striker. We need to be on the lookout for those, those two and the quick wingers.
1: Kind of as a brief, a little bit off topic with respect to the game at hand, but Galanopoulos, you know, he had that horrible ankle injury back in December. I know that he's not going to be featuring in this game, but he was an important midfielder for them. As we saw, he featured for the national team when that revamp kind of happened and the midfield looked functional with him next to Zeka.
2: Hmm.
1: I mean, he's a player that I thought was dangerous, you know, playing against us. And, you know, a, a dangerous player for Greece as well. What's his, Do we know what his recovery time is like? Has he had the surgery yet?
2: Um, To be honest with you, I'm not sure. But I I will be honest. Galanopoulos is one of my favorite players for Mike. He's a fantastic player. Him and Simo is in the midfield. You know, it's not the quality of ours. I'm biased. But it's much better than Pauk's. It's a very good midfield right there. And I, I hope he recovers for... For the national team's sake but i'm not i'm not sure on his current condition but i haven't heard anything i'm i i do not follow the ike pages very closely
1: now of course speaking to that you know without galanopoulos in there you know i don't feel quite as threatened by ike now of course we can't take them for granted we can't expect that they're just going to play you know mediocre and that we're going to manhandle them i hope that's the case but this is a derby as much as it is a quipelo. They're going to come out. They're going to pressure us. They're going to try throw everything at the wall.
0: Yeah, I agree. This game feels weird, though. I mean, just the fact that we've been eliminated from Europe. The game was supposed to be a while ago, and it's been postponed. And now we just sort of have this odd standalone fixture completely on an island in the calendar where we play Ike in the cup final, the team is being pieced apart as we speak. Ike's team is being pieced apart as we speak. It just seems like such a weird game. I mean, I almost wonder if we lose this cup, if people will react as negatively uh, as if we were to lose the cup under normal circumstances. And likewise, if we win the cup, obviously a domestic double is nice, but are people going to be just as jazzed and, and accomplished with winning the Greek Cup. Now that it's sort of this really weird situation, there's sort of an asterisk on the game with the players missing. What do you guys think?
1: You actually bring up a really good point, Peter. I mean, you know, all year we've been hearing the double is a necessity. You know, we came so close. Our team is the best in Greece. It is unacceptable for us not to win the double. Right. Given what we've seen, you know, what we've been through with COVID, you know, I know some fans seem to not care as much. They just kind of want it over with a lot of fans really do care because they want that double in the books. You know, for me, I, I want the double, you know, I do. I want it. I want us to win because it's another one. And, you know, this season, I want to hold it over everybody's heads. Not only do I want the double this year, I want the double next year too. You know, I want a new dynasty. I want a new dynasty with as long as we have Martins, I, I want I just want to clean sweep everything. I want yeah. doubles. I'll take doubles for for the next ten years. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I agree completely with that. But one thing that just feels weird is it's the 2019-2020 Greek Cup final. And we don't have the 2019-2020 Olympiakos team. And it just I don't know, something is nagging at me there, you know. Even even our last game against Ike, you know, we played at Kariskaki's what what is it now? Four weeks ago, I want to say. We just walked over Ike and it felt a little strange. It almost felt like a warm-up game. I hope this game doesn't have that. But with Vasilis Torosidis, what a 35, 36-year-old Torosidis had left back and a makeshift back line. It feels strange. A makeshift Ike, it feels strange. I, I know what you're saying, Peter. But it, we want the cup. We want the cup. It may feel strange, but we need to cutthroat and win this this yeah. title. Yeah. And at
1: this point, you know, we also have to look at the Kipelo as a way to get us ready for, you know, the upcoming Champions League qualifiers. You yeah. know, thank everybody. You know, everybody needs to thank Leon, you know, for winning <laughs> and, you know, for beating Juventus, but also losing. They did everything, <laughs> right? Not they were perfect. <laughs> they, did, they did everything we needed them to because now Olivia will be in the playoff stage of the Champions League. And I know in a future podcast, we are going to kind of discuss the coefficients and why that is, and and get into that. There were some people that had some questions about that. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion around that. That's something we'll address in the future. But this game is a really, really, really good warm-up. It's a really good tune-up before our Champions League playoffs, you know, to to get into the group stage. And, you know, for us to build on our success from this past year and have a successful Champions League campaign, successful European campaign, for the coming year yeah and
2: just to bring that up uh we spoke with um on twitter we spoke with gate 7 montreal george about this very topic as well as uh bob beans i believe his uh twitter is yep. he discussed this topic this is a topic Olympiakos fans want to talk about and we're gonna talk about and we'd love to hear you guys send us dm send us questions about it we're gonna dive in because this is important this is the future of Olympiakos. this is the future of greek football yeah and, and yeah it's it's important stuff and
1: yeah I'm it might not deep. be something we do in the next podcast obviously yeah. because the next podcast will be post keep at all but yeah. for sure whether it's a midweek short or whether it's you know a podcast the following week specifically dedicated to that and you know in a game break this is definitely that we could spend multiple podcasts talking about this, the structure, the hierarchy, how, how champions league is not just evolved in the last couple of years, but how it's continuing to change with European
2: conference league and everything like that. Well, you know, this is something we will be talking about. Yeah. It's definitely going to be a super interesting topic. And I think guys, we, we've covered the topics that we want to talk about and I want to close this podcast. I want predictions and I want lineups boys. How are we rating this, this cup final? Adi, uh, start with you. Line up and then uh, prediction. Line walk, up guy. and that score. Happens. All right. You know what?
1: I know it's not going to happen, but I- I'm going left back, Martinez. I'm going – our center backs, Semedo, staying. So we're going to have Semedo there. Oh, It's going to be yeah. Semedo-Ba. And then right back, it's going to be Torosidis. Uh, our midfield, it's going to be the four-three-three. It's going to be, you know, Mari, Guillerm, and Bujalakis in the midfield. And then, of course, we're going to have El Arabi at the number nine. And then on the left we'll have Masuras. On the right we'll have Valbuena. I almost was thinking Lazar, but and then for the <laughs> scoreline, for the scoreline, you know what? I think it's going to be close. I don't think we're going to blow him out. Uh, I'm going to go two one.
0: All right. I am going to very slightly deviate. Just I would love to see Martínez. What I think will happen is I think we'll see Torosidis on the left and. Rangelovic on the right, and then everything else I think I agree with you in terms of the center-back pairing of Semedo and Ba, the midfield that we have been using very much exclusively for the last few matches, and then the front three of Masuras, Valbuena, and El Arabi. As far as the scoreline, I think we might be in for an entertaining one. We've got, obviously, a couple teams who haven't played official football matches in a bit. I'm going to say 3-2, Olympiacos.
2: Okay, uh, down to me now. So I like both your guys' ideas for lineup, and I agree with you, Peter. I think it's going to be left back, is right back, Rangelovic. And again, guys, we're sorry we don't know in advance if the, the transfers are going to play. So if that happens, we're sorry we didn't know from what we're dealing with now. That's what we're operating on. And I completely forgot Ruben Semedo because he was suspended for the Europa League game. Yes, yes, I would love Semedo to play. With Ba Allen in in goal, I guess it hurts to say, but Allen in goal, I want a midfield of Camara uh, and Guillerme. And I'm gonna throw it out there. My favorite player. We haven't talked a lot about him. Costas Fortuni's in the center at ten. Valbuena on the right, mm-hmm. Masuras on the left, and El Arabi at top. And guys, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling nervy for this and I'm feeling extra time. I'm saying one-one going into extra time. And then two goals from Hassan and extra time, we went three one in the Cup Finals.
0: What a game! He would become a col- he would become a legend forever. He already
2: is. He, he would have tried. He, he a statue <laughs> oh.
0: outside of Skaki Stadium. Um, but yeah, it'll be an entertaining one. I think we could see all sorts of things. I totally forgot that yeah, extra time and penalties could happen. I am a sucker for penalty shootouts. I would prefer to have us win in regulation just to. You know, save save my heart, keep a few years off. And uh, But, man, penalties are so electrifying. Extra time is so electrifying. We can see it all in the Greek Cup final. It's going to be an amazing yeah. game.
2: And it, I believe it was against Ike. We had that amazing penalty shootout. It was almost 10 years ago. It was like both goalkeepers took two penalties. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, oh my God. guys. This, is, but this I... is
0: before my time. I was 10 years old.
2: Yeah, I this was a long yet. time ago, uh, our fans will correct us, but we had that crazy game with how many penalties, the famous goal by Matt Derby Shire. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. Uh, it's it's on YouTube. I, I can post it on uh, Twitter under this game as kind of a throwback Thursday, but I think, <laughs> I think the, that's about it.
0: Yeah. Adi, you got anything else you want to
2: say? That's
1: it, man. I'm excited for this game. i excited for the the next season. And when I'm right and my edgy lineup is the starting lineup, it will be blasted <laughs> on Twitter, just reminding <laughs> everybody who's right. <laughs> oh, yes.
0: All right. Well, yeah, we are all looking forward to the Greek Cup final against Ike. It's going to be a good one. The teams that finish 1-2 in Greece, Olympiakos with a double on the line, both teams with a fragmented lineup because of FIFA, We'll see how it goes. We're going to come back with a podcast directly after the cup final. That'll be the next time you all hear from us until then. Thank you so, so much for listening, especially if you've made it this far. We really appreciate everyone who tunes in. We hope you enjoyed, as we've said, continue to give us feedback, continue to tell us what you would like to hear us talk about because we're all about the fans. We want to discuss the hot topics of Olympiacos and Greek football. So, Until we have the Greek Cup final and discuss that game, thank you so much for listening. And this concludes the episode. Have a nice day.